Welcome to the Switch the Pitch podcast, the podcast for those of us with resting pitch face. My name is Jess. I am the official reporter for the Colorado Rapids, and this is the audio aspect of the overall uh, Switch the Pitch media experience. Um, Just so everybody is reminded, Switch the Pitch is a women-owned, staffed, and operated media outlet that aims to switch the pitch of soccer media to be more inclusive and accessible. So in today's little... um, Probably shorter than normal pod, um, I have Sheba Rawson, who is our uh, Portland Timbers, um, I believe, official reporter, right? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. All right. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about the the final. All right. Thanks. Take it away. All right, we'll do. So, uh, of course, I'm delighted to uh, to report that the Portland Timbers won the MLS's back uh, tournament uh, 2-1 against Orlando in the final. Um, with uh, Luis Mabiala getting that beautiful header off free kick. Um, we had uh, Orlando equalize with um, with Pereira after uh, Eric Williamson got beat in front of the box. But then one of our new signings in defense, Zuparic, uh, got got the uh, second goal uh, off of, off Ebobise, and we ended up with the, uh, the tournament win, two to one. So with that, we actually have a, a unique piece of silverware. I don't know if we'll ever see such a piece of silverware again, but it will join <laughs> uh, it will join the 2015 uh, MLS Cup uh, trophy and uh, some Western Conference ones up in the silverware up in the up in the attic at Providence Park. Very nice. I kind of hope we don't because of I want this COVID to go away. But at the same time, it was kind of a fun little tournament to have, and I wouldn't mind seeing something like this, you know, in again in the future. I, I agree. I, I I was really nervous about this tournament and I will you can look back through social media and I can tell you that, you know, it was great to see. I was hungry for soccer, missed the boys, and if at any moment they had said, you know what, this is too dangerous, call it off, I would have been yes, yes, please send them right. home safely. So yep. yes, I mean, selfishly I very much enjoyed the soccer and breathing a huge sigh of relief that uh, the bubble seems to hold and people seem to be safe. And yeah, you know what? That compressed schedule in soccer tournament was pretty fun. So that was pretty intense and quick and so much soccer, but it was great. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And and one of the things that I will say in terms of pluses for the Timbers in this kind of a format, we're kind of crowded up top. I mean, you know, we've got, um, of course, we've got Diego Valeri, we've got Sebastian Blanco, we've got Jeremy Obobese. Um, We also had this new signing, Jaroslav Nizgoda, who is a striker, a Polish striker. We first had some worries about him because when he first came in, he got an ablation procedure. They were very quick to tell us, oh, it's the same thing as um, Cristiano Ronaldo had. Everything's going to be fine, you know, but... But um, we've also had we've also had DP signings like we had a signing a few years ago, uh, Trencito uh, Jose Adolfo um, uh, Valencia, and he came in and he didn't pass his physical, and so there was you know a bunch of speculation about oh God <laughs> we're signing this guy from Poland and already he's going to have a heart procedure I'm sure everything's going to be fine, but as it turns out you know of course he uh, he he came on well and what I really like about him is I refer to him as a bit of a microwave. He heats up very quickly. So a lot of times he came in as a late sub up top yeah. and he very quickly made his presence known and uh, he's got a great touch on the ball. I'm really looking forward to having him in the rotation. But I guess what I would say about that compressed schedule thing is because we're so crowded up top, because we have so many guys, 
that can be a problem for a coach to manage. Yeah. But looking at the schedule, we've got what? I don't know. One, two, three. We've got five games in two weeks. Right. Yeah. Uh, coming up. So it's very easy, I think, to make the argument that we're going to rotate the squad, not because you're better or because this other guy's better, but we just need to have everybody healthy. Right. So in a weird way, this tournament, I think, favored the format of the tournament, favored the, the Timbers in that way, too, that we were forced to rotate in places where we're actually pretty strong. So, yeah. And that, that depth is kind of what you needed to see in this team. And the teams that didn't really have as much depth in in their squad are kind of some of the first ones you saw out of it mm-hmm. you know, because they yeah. couldn't rotate. They didn't have um, all of these players that they can pull out because I mean, honestly, how many MLS players are used to a world cup format right. of gameplay? Yeah. Um, and even the, even the world cup isn't as packed in as MLS, the MLS's back tournament was, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of talking back about the game a little bit I mean one of the the things that you and I talked about um, before we started recording was the possession mm-hmm. you know um the so Orlando like really they had twice as much possession as the Timbers did um 64 percent to 36 percent I mean it mm-hmm. was they in a lot of the ways um you know dominated the game in that manner obviously you know they didn't have enough shots on target they didn't have enough goals clearly to go on but you know when you look at percentages they should have you know done so done so much more because they had such a higher level of percentage um, but your point to that was, <laughs> well, there's uh, there's such a thing as, uh, we've, you know, I'm sure you've heard the, the, the expression possession with purpose. Right? right. I would call this lack of possession with purpose <laughs> that essentially um, Portland has a couple of things going for it. One, they enjoy the counterattack. Right. And so uh, they'll sit back for it. And that means that you're letting the other team have the bulk of possession. But right. the other thing that I, I saw them. Do, and so if you look back, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I bet if you look back at the tournament play, you'll see a fair amount of times where we tied or won games and we didn't have most of the possession. Right. But um, but it was with purpose. And the closer that the other team would get to the 18, in most cases, the harder it was for them to actually push through in the middle. So you might have the ball as the other team, but you don't have a lot of good looks. Right. And with a team like um, Orlando, where you have, uh, you know, a couple of huge threats, right? You've got Nani, who, you know, did a Nani thing in the game, uh, in in one of the tournament games, which is just amazing. Oh, yeah, that guy. I remember that guy. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, Tesho Akindele. So you've got some threats, but if you're if you're clamping down hard on those and you're not making life easy in the middle, they just really didn't have a lot of chances. So you can have all of the ball, but if you don't have a lot of good looks, it doesn't doesn't reward you. So um, I guess I would say one of the things that makes me happy that this worked is that I think we're a lot stronger up top than we are in the back. Um, you know, looking at squad rotation and who we've got, we have um, you know a back four that's okay. Um, I would say that um, it's kind of ironic that you say that because both of your goals came from defenders in this. I know. I know. At the same (laughs) time, though, let's if I again, if I had the stats in front of me, how many of our yellow cards and penalties also came from our defenders? So we had (laughs) we had we had penalties. uh, We we drew penalty where we we uh, we had penalty kicks against us. Uh, a fair amount of time um, mm-hmm. based on what happened with our defenders. And so I'm glad we made it out. But if you also look through how we did, I don't think we shut anybody out in the tournament. Um, so we, I think everybody got at least one in off of us. 
I might be wrong about that. There might have been one that I missed. But but generally speaking, the thing that I worry about the most with this squad is if we're looking at uh, depth and rotation, it's the depth in the back. Yeah. Um, and I like that uh, Larissa Mabiella and Zuppert seem to have kind of made a connection through do the, during this tournament that they're working together really well. But I've also seen both of them do things that draw, you know, draw that yellow card inside the box. And that's going to be costly. We can't afford that. So. Uh, that's probably the thing I worry about the most between that and just generally not being able to close the door. I mean, you know, Steve Clark had that lovely case of the yips. What was it against Cincinnati <laughs> when he had a couple of <laughs> moments? But he, but then he had some great, you know, plays uh, against the kicks in the mark at the end. Uh, those fouls inside the box, just that back line in general. I I don't see the the uh, the same level of depth there that um, that I do uh, in the front end. You know, in a compressed schedule, that's the kind of thing that I think might bite us later. Yeah. You know, I, I can see that. Yeah. But, you know, we had but looking at the front, I mean, gosh, we had that. Uh, I think any Polo's goal was the goal of the game. It was definitely not. It's a celebration of the game. <laughs> he did a dance that he said his daughter really, really wanted to see. But uh, yes, Aww. he had he had an Andy Polo had an amazing goal. We've got uh, Marvin Loria, who plays as a winger or a forward, um, coming in subbing behind uh, as part of that rotation. Of course, Sebastian Blanco. I think he had a goal or an assist in all every game except the final. Uh, that's why he was player of the tournament. He's he's an amazing guy. He he's right footed, yeah. but he comes at it as easily from the left. He tends to kind of pinch in. Actually, he goes everywhere. I, I refer to him sometimes as my favorite chihuahua because he's just little and feisty and he will be everywhere and doing all the things. So he's kind of like the Isco of the Timbers then because Isco is everywhere, too. So Yeah, he's he is definitely everywhere. And uh, and surprisingly, I think he's 31, but he's he's definitely he and uh, Diego Chara. Um, have have speed that is younger than their years would suggest. So um, I guess uh, other question marks I might have is uh, Yimi Chara, uh, Diego Chara's brother we signed, uh, love him, but uh, he got injured. So we're kind of waiting to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, obviously Jeremy Obobese had a fantastic tournament. Uh, I think he scored four goals uh, and uh, really came into his own. He plays really well off of a number of the other players up front. Um Eric Williamson, I think, also has really done well. Eric Williamson played a lot in T2 for us, kind of in the you know defensive mid role, uh, and he really uh, you know that that one uh, that one defensive miss in the final aside, he really had a good tournament also. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to seeing these guys going forward. I think we've got a good squad um, for what I said is a compressed schedule. I mean, taking a look at the schedule ahead, we've got what uh, Sunday we've got uh, Seattle, Wednesday yep. at San Jose. Saturday, uh, RSL, Wednesday, Galaxy, Sunday at uh, Seattle. So within literally two weeks, we've got five games. So Yeah, that's I feel you on that one. That's pretty similar to us. We're looking at six between August 22nd and September 12th. Yeah, so. yeah, I think that's I, – I mean, you know, that obviously there's math involved, right? Everyone's going to have a compressed schedule if they're trying to fit in all these games in a short period of time. Right. But, but I think that's – I think that's – I think we've got – like I said, the main things I worry about are defense – uh, and our and being able to actually close games out and shut it. We also let some people games in at, towards the end, you know, where we really should have just shut it down and we didn't. So right. I'd love to be able to close the door. I'd love to be able to get some shutouts. Uh, I'd love to not have fouls inside the box. Fair. And, okay, that's and every I, team, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm just looking at you know things that would things that would make me less uh, give me fewer palpitations watching my, my timbers. <laughs> uh, just the backline in general. Yeah. So. So now, if Diego Chara 
if his brother is just as physical as him, do they become the Bash Brothers of the Timbers? <laughs> the, you know, Bash Brothers imply, because, of course, I grew up in the Bay Area. So when you say Bash Brothers, I think of those roided out um, players uh, for baseball, right? That's oh, what see, I think of. I was and going for tiny. the Mighty Ducks reference on that I, one. I got you, but, you know, okay. so I'm just giving you a little background for me. So okay. so um, Diego Chara is like 5'7", uh, in, you know, in his boots, maybe. Um, so, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how tall he is, but he's not, he's not a giant guy. And Yimmy's right. not much bigger, um, both, both physical. But um, I think one of the things that people miss about Diego Chara, of course, he's a physical player, but he's super good at possessing the ball. And, uh, and after possessing the ball, being super smart about where it goes later. So yeah. what I'd like to see is I'd like to see uh, a little more time watching Yimmy to see if he has the same the same kind of qualities or not. The same soccer he, IQ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He plays a little further up, uh, up up top, but those are definitely things I'd like to see. Is like when you have the ball, where's the next place it's going to go? Yeah. You know? Well, it'd be kind of so. interesting to see because you know how sometimes siblings can kind of have this connection of they just kind of know where the other one is. It'll be interesting to see if they have that same thing of they just kind of have this innate understanding of where the other one is on yeah. the pitch at this time. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen some of that with uh, with our Argentine players. I mean, I know that um, I know Valeria and Blanco played uh, on the same squad uh, when they were much younger in in Argentina on Lanús. And so I don't know if part of that is the style of Argentine soccer or part of it is literally just, you know, knowing knowing each other, knowing each other's play. But I have noticed Obobese in particular plays really well off the Argentine players as well. Uh, he had a game when we we had a squad. I can't remember when this was, either last year or the year before, uh, up in Vancouver, where we had so many people either on international duty or injured uh, or on cards or whatever. We didn't even have 18 players. We had oh, we wow. had we had dudes uh, on three-day contracts from our USL team. <laughs> like, who's that guy, right? <laughs> Uh, and so you're thinking, yep. and this is a way in Vancouver, like, okay, this is going to go well. But actually, it ended up going really well, and we won. And one of the things I noticed immediately was, I, I don't know if it was his first goal for the um, for the for the squad or not, but um, but Obviously just played super well off both of our Argentine players, and uh, and he and he has very quickly adapted and you know, is able to read them really well. So um, I don't know, again, like, I don't know how much of that style, how much of that is soccer IQ, or as you say, you know, if you've got brothers or teammates, you just know each other really well. Yeah. So. All right. And you had a question for me. Yes, I you. did. Why? Okay. Why do you hate the timber so much? <laughs> Why do, um, <laughs> for me, it actually, it stems back. Um, so I like really physical play. You know, okay. Sergio Ramos is probably one of my favorites. Oh, okay. Um, all right, Ironic. all right, that says a lot. I got you. Okay, go ahead. Ironically, what I don't like is dirty play. Um, ah. So one of the first times when I first started getting back into MLS, because there was there was a little bit of a gap there between being super involved in it and then kind of just not being around kind of a thing. Right. Um, one of the one of the games I went to was a Colorado Rapids um, Portland Timbers game. Uh-huh. And we had uh, a play a defender at the time named Mike Defont. Which uh-huh. I have no idea where he is now. I think he's in USL. Okay. Uh, but in that game, um, Dyron Espria, which is the uh, one that like the least, uh-huh. uh, actually um, headbutted him at some point <gasps> and like split his head open. I mean, Yikes. we're talking like hockey blood at a soccer. Oh game. man, I'm sorry. Um, and the refs didn't do anything about it, mm. and it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't really like play related at all at the same time um and so they got him off they got him bandaged up right on 
um, he gets back on the pitch and the, the, the gameplay is happening at the opposite end of the pitch. Like, I mean, like the opposite corner, opposite side. Right, 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 right. Um, Dyron Espria turns and rushes at Mike DeFont again. Steps on the pitch. Okay. And so basically you hate Dyron Espria is what you're saying. I do. I do. Okay. And so therefore, <laughs> okay. the right. is kind of gets transferred onto the Timbers in general, you know. Uh, um, okay. All right. Because I was going to be like, you know, Western Conference, right? I get it. You can hate any other player and everything. Right. But... But we're so lovable. But yeah, so if it's if it's any consolation, Dyron Espria is often uh, referred to as Mr. October because uh, because uh, he has a reputation among us for um, kind of fading into the background and not being significant until the playoffs when suddenly he pulls out some screamer out of nowhere and like makes an amazing play of like, hey, so, you know. I honestly, I thought if you were going to talk about a, a physical player that you didn't like, I thought it might have been Will Johnson, which is from years back from us. That's um, who I would have thought you would have not liked. But and I'm not a big fan of Diego Chata either. I think he gets a, I think he gets a little too physical in the wrong ways at the wrong times. Um, and because he, you know, ended up with a card in the final before mm-hmm. fouling, mm-hmm. and that just kind of seems like to fit who he is as a player. And that's just kind of something you'll. Yeah. You'll see, hence the joke about the Bash Brothers. Right. Uh, you know. Yeah, I think I think if you I think if you had Diego Chara on your squad, you would love him to death. I think there are players like that who's like, I hate that guy, except if he's on my team. Yeah. Um, as a human and as a and as a leader on and off the field, he is amazing. Um, as a physical player, he 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 does get a lot of calls. I think he's gotten exactly one second yellow in all of his career in MLS. <laughs> So he knows wow. where the line is and he goes right up to it and then doesn't cross it any further. So, and, and, and I will say uh, beyond that, again, he's amazing at dispossessing other people of the ball and about being super smart about where to put it after he, after he gets it. But yeah. I, but I can understand if he weren't on my team, might not like him so much. I get right. it. Well, I so. mean, and we had a guy who would constantly, I mean, he couldn't play as well as Diego Tata, but we had a guy on the Rapids for a while there who he, with his, um, like knowledge of the game, you would expect so much more out of him, but he would just make these fouls at the wrong, the worst times possible mm-hmm. yeah. and it'd just be the dumbest stuff. And it's like, you have a ton of experience. This is stuff that you would know better not to do. Please don't do this. Yes. Right. right. Exactly. I got you. So. I think, I think my favorite, uh, my favorite Colorado thing is the random booing. of. Oh my uh... God. <laughs> I... So where did that start? You know, I'm not entirely sure. I would have to, you know, ask some of my friends in C38 or like in around who've hung around a lot longer than I have. So explain what I'm talking what about. Is. Explain but what I'm they, talking about. They So every game, um, what happens is the, and I say the opposite side of the pitch because it is from where my, where my dad and I sit for the game. Um, it's the east side of the east side. West side. Sorry, the west side of the stadium. Um, they pick... A, they pick somebody on like a winger or a fullback, right? Somebody running right. up and down that side, well, right? It depends. Sometimes it's going to be somebody that you'd expect, Graham Zusi, Kyle Beckerman. Yeah, but sometimes like, it's just okay. like completely random. I think that right, I exactly. think they were, and, yeah. And it's just and it's that one particular guy that every time he touches the ball, he gets booed. Right. You know, and I made this joke to my dad at one point. I was like, you know, I kind of wonder, you know, those guys are all trained to play and not really listen to the crowd going on. But I kind of wonder if, if sometimes those guys are like, I didn't do 
anything. Why <laughs> exactly. am I food? Like I'm <laughs> confused. Yes. Well, yeah. And so when they switch sides, you know, that side will generally pick a different player and then we'll start booing whoever once we figure out who right. they were booing. Right. Because there's not really any kind of communication between the two sides. It's just that guy. Right. Then you it's like, that one's guilty. We're gonna boo right. that one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you kind of wait and see who um who gets booed when the ball gets when they touch the ball and you're like, okay, right. that, that's the one. So that's who we're gonna then boo. Right. Kind of. Gotcha. Um, yes. Yeah. No, I, like the first time I heard it in 2011, I was so confused. Like, I don't even understand. I don't think he did anything. I can't, I'm trying to remember who it was, but I just remember thinking the same thing. Like, why is this happening? Yeah. So, it's one of those, yeah. one of those mind games that's up there with um, every game before the game starts, we actually have a high altitude warning play over the loudspeakers of about how um, playing at altitude can cause things like fatigue, um, nausea, like shortness of breath, all these kinds of things. Right, right, right. Yes. Trying to play, trying to get in your head a little bit there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the fun part about that is actually when you walk into from the players parking lot into mm-hmm. where go into the different locker rooms that's actually posted up on it's like painted on the brick in there as well so they get it they get faced with it as soon as they walk into right. the alleyway the alleyways the it's like tap 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 hey reminder you're playing yeah. at altitude right exactly yes. which i could see you know having some impact against a team like orlando or miami but you know when they bring in rsl and they're i like, know they're oh, like yeah okay whatever cry me a river yeah, yeah no <laughs> you yeah. can't do that for them <laughs> yeah exactly um well, I'm psyched about the tournament, um, uh, mostly because people came away healthy. I'm yep. super happy about that. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, we have that uh, that bid for uh, CONCACAF Champions League now. Yeah. I mean, assuming that there is CCL in 20, you know, the next year. Please, yeah. please, please. <laughs> somebody somebody posted online, like, everybody, please wear masks. I would like to fly to Central America. So, yes. you know. So, so that's that's awesome for us. We've got on Sunday, we've got um, Seattle coming up. That is not a Cascadia Cup match because the Cascadia Cup Council determined that since the Cascadia Cup is a fan, a supporter cup, yeah. games without supporters don't really mean anything in terms of Cascadia Cup. So. See, and that's interesting. So Saturday we have RSL, so that's our Rocky Mountain Cup. Right. Um, and my what what I've been hearing is that the game in the tournament did not count, um, which is different from what the announcers were trying to make it into, but that this game coming up will count because we're out of this tournament and into a quote unquote regular season kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now forgive my ignorance. Is there is there somebody overseeing the Rocky Mountain Cup? Because I know that for the Cascadia Cup we actually have a nonprofit and there's people from all three supporter groups who essentially own the rights and they sit down and determine every year how oh, it's going to go. Yeah, because you know, like when MLS, for example, does stuff like gives us an un you know an, an unbalanced schedule, we have to determine how that's going to work, right? right? And when I say we, I mean the three supporter groups. And so the Cascadia Cup Council every year has a representative from each of the three and they right. sit down and figure it all out. So do you guys have something like that? Because I know there was a time in the past when you didn't and uh, it kind of bit you guys because it wasn't just the Rocky Mountain Cup. It was like the Subaru Rocky Mountain Cup. And everyone's like, I what now? So, yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know. I, forgive me. I don't know, know if you guys have something like that or not. Honestly, I don't I don't know. I mean, we we may not just because it's like between the two of us as opposed to having to figure it out between three teams. Right. Um, I think we just go based on games won versus games lost between the two teams. Got you. Um, All right. That's I mean, I'd have to look into that and let you know for sure. Something to check into, especially because you got games coming up. Good to know. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got we uh, we see we face off against uh, RSL twice in this upcoming six games. So yeah, I think we see him once. When do you? When's the first time you see him? Saturday on the twenty. So the twenty second. Excellent. Our, would you would you wear them out, please? Because we see them on the 29th. I would appreciate it. We'll, we'll do what we can. I appreciate we'll, that. We'll <laughs> I mean, I know you hate us and everything, but I'd appreciate it. <laughs> well, I mean, any chance to see them lose is going to be beneficial, you know. So Fair that's enough. I mean, you know. Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on the Switch the Pitch podcast, the podcast for those of us with resting pitch face. Thanks again to 123 Scream and Jana Pokop for our podcast anthem. Um, and we'll have links to those uh, websites in our show notes. Um, if you want to say anything to us, send us an email at contact at switchthepitchsoccer.com or you can uh, send send a tweet um, using the hashtag RPF mailbag. Um, and you can check out our other social media uh, sites because we are much more than just this podcast, much more than just articles on the website. You can find us um, at switchthepitchsoccer.com. Um, our Twitter and Instagram handles are switchthepitch1, or you can find us on Facebook at fb.me slash switchthepitchsoccer. So um Thank you guys for tuning in and thanks Sheba for having a conversation with me. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, so we're recording now. Um, that's the reminder. It just told me since you know we don't we want to avoid legal snags. Check. So, okay. All right.